the name of Jesus, amen. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Dear saints, these are the words of John the Baptist while he was in prison. And he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you in fact the Messiah, or should we just wait for somebody else? Are you the one we've been waiting for, the one who will set us free, or not? Because I am here in prison waiting to die. Of all the people we would have least expected to hear these words from, it was John. And this is stunning. This is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the greatest man born of a woman from Jesus himself. Is, uh, those are the very words of Jesus himself. The one who was prophesied to prepare the way of the Lord, even in the Old Testament. We know and remember him uh, for his courageous preaching out by the Jordan River, his zeal for the Lord's law and his zeal for the Lord's gospel. We remember him as the greatest of all preachers in the entire world to have ever existed because he preached by the power of the Holy Spirit. Men from greatest to least were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And he would preach sermons that would cut through people's self-righteousness, sermons that crushed the hearts of the proud and sermons that lifted up the lowly. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he brought people to repent of their sins, to renounce themselves through this word, and to put their trust in Christ alone for their salvation. He was the one who baptized Jesus and then the very next day says, points to him and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is John the Baptist. Now, even more, this man was fearless. He had the heart of a lion. Remember, John was in jail because he called out Herod for committing adultery with the daughter of Herodias. Uh, She was Herod's stepdaughter. That's uh, who this uh, woman was. Uh, This is what Matthew chapter 14 says. It says, Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And then you remember what happens next. The Bible says when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. And she that is, she danced in such a way that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask for. And then so she went and asked her mother, what should I ask for? And her mother said this. She said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And then it happened. Now, like I was saying, John the Baptist was fearless because he overcame the temptation that so many pastors face. I know this because I'm a pastor and I face this temptation many times. This was the temptation. John could have easily very easily figured out a way to not get into this situation to begin with. Very easily. Uh, He he could have uh, uh, just avoided it or waffled his way or flip-flopped here a little uh, here, uh, here and there. He could have figured out a convenient and diplomatic way to avoid having to speak out against that awful sin of adultery. He could have said, well, well, you know, 
Uh, they're both consenting adults. Uh, they can do what they want. Who am I to speak up about anything here? Uh, you know, there, there is this separation of church and state, so I don't want to get political. I don't want to uh, delve into this. Um, that guy also, he's not one of my members, so I probably shouldn't say anything. Uh, so I'm just going to stay out of it, and I just want to preach Jesus. I want to be nice. I want to be liked, and then stay safe, right? Make sure I have uh, bread and money and, and food. Uh, this is the temptation that so many pastors cave into. But John didn't. John preached against Herod. And for that, he paid the price. But he didn't shrink from the task. John was a preacher of the Lord. He spoke for him. He spoke his word. And then he didn't back down. Now, uh, a little later in the text for today, Jesus tells us more about John, uh, more than we knew. He says that John is not some sort of weak man. He says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see when he was preaching a, a reed shaken in the wind? Uh, did you go out to hear a guy who puts up his finger up in the political and cultural winds and then preaches wherever the wind is blowing, whatever is popular in the day? Did you go out to hear a yes man, a guy who is tossed back and forth by whatever society says and thinks, a guy who will say whatever people want to hear just so long as his members stay and he grows the church? Is this why you went all the way out to the desert? Is this what you went to see, is Jesus saying? Is that, that, that's what Jesus is saying. And the answer is no. This is a man who does not preach softly. He's not persuaded by money or by food or by popularity. This is a man who is grounded firmly in the word of God and listens to and is persuaded by only Jesus. And now, here he is, all alone in the darkness of his prison cell, cold and hungry, and knowing that he faces certain death. And this same man who stood up to all of these things, this same man is wondering now if it's all a waste. Wondering if he spent his time, his entire life, preaching and suffering and denying himself for what? To die like this because he told somebody he was wrong? Now, the traditional position on this text is that John is so strong, he's so solid, so steadfast that he's not actually doubting in this moment. When he says these words, he's not really doubting. Uh, so the traditional position is that John is in some sort of roundabout way, in a clever way, actually just trying to get his disciples to leave his side and go to Jesus. I'm not sure why that's the traditional position on the text, but I don't hold to that uh, because the words of this text are clear and plain. If we take out all of the guesswork and speculation, if we try, try and stop trying to psychoanalyze what's going on in John's head, we take him at his word, then John is telling us exactly what's going on. He says that he is in deep spiritual affliction. He's in the dark place. He's not immune to any affliction or suffering. He says, are you the one who is to come or not? He's asking. Why is he asking? Because <laughs> he has doubts. He's a man who is vexed by sin and the devil, one who is suffering and in this moment has sincere doubts. Okay, uh, the old theologians gave this moment, what John is experiencing right now, they gave this moment of spiritual affliction a term. 
And they called it the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. It's a period in in someone's life when doubts overtake them and when darkness clouds over them. It's what David goes through when he soaks his pillow at night with tears, what Jeremiah goes through when he earns the name, the weeping prophet. It's what almost drove Martin Luther to despair with his melancholy that almost killed him. It's not just depression or sadness. It's a depression and a sadness that is linked to a crisis in faith that is deeply connected to thinking or feeling like God is absent, that he has abandoned you. And this usually comes about for arbitrary reasons. So it's not like uh, the person who's suffering this. It's, it's not like they're, they've rethought anything about God. It's not like they read some article on the internet or heard some new scientific breakthrough where then they say, you know what, now I know how DNA works and so I can't believe in God anymore. Or uh, because they read some philosopher and said, look, now I've, I've read this and I have some philosophical issue with God. Uh, It's not like they read some passage in the Bible and say, okay, I can't believe that. I can't accept that. No, nothing has changed in their mind. What changes is their surrounding. Life just gets difficult. Their marriage suffers. Their finances will dwindle. They will lose their job or whatever it might be. And as a result, many times, They begin to doubt God's goodness and usefulness, the usefulness of Christ. What is the use of believing in Christ if I still have to go through all of this? What is the purpose of going to church and receiving the Lord's Supper, hearing that I'm forgiven and I'm still stuck in this cell and I'm still stuck in this prison and I'm still stuck with the same financial burdens and I'm still stuck with the same illness? What is the purpose? Now, when a person goes through this, they usually deal with this uh, in a couple of opposite ways. One bad and one good. The bad way is this, that they use this moment as a way to distance themselves from Christ. They figure, look, there's a lot going on and I feel numb to it. Maybe... I'm going to take a break. Maybe I'm going to take some time. I'll gather myself. I'll regroup. And I guess I don't trust Christ as much as I thought. So that must mean he is not trustworthy. And so rather than hear him more, they begin to hear him less. They will bury their heads and plug their ears to his speaking. And when they go through this dark night of the soul, they will drift away from reading the Bible. They will pull away from coming to church. And they will pull away from their Christian friends who have a good influence on them. You see, they have doubts. And so they pull away from Christ. But the way that John deals with his doubts is the good way. When John goes through these doubts and suffering, he does not pull away from Jesus, but wants to draw nearer to him. He doesn't close his ears to what Jesus has to say. He sends for a word from Jesus. So now as a pastor, I don't think I can give you any better or more serious advice or more, a more profound exhortation than this. Follow John's example. 
When John is in the dark place, in the dark night of his soul, he sends his disciples and says, please go ask him. Ask him anything. (laughs) Ask him if he's the one. Ask him if he's the savior. Just go get a sermon from him and come back and just tell me what he says. Preach it back into my ears. Preach it into my heart. Whatever he says, just tell me because I need to hear from Jesus right now. I am, in, I am despairing. I am in the moment on the edge of despair, of losing it all. I need to hear what comes out of his mouth. That is the only thing that can possibly help me right now. I am weak. I'm alone. I have nothing. And if I could just hear Jesus say again who he is, what he is doing, what he thinks of me, that he loves me, that he will save me, then I can die in peace. In fact, he doesn't even have to get me out of this prison right now or change my situation or solve my problem. I just need to hear his voice. And that's what John does. He sends for a sermon. Now make note of this very well. If John can go through something like this, then any, of, uh, any one of us can go through it as well. And if John goes to Jesus in his time of deepest need, then you should as well. We will never, never outgrow the need to hear the gospel. As Christians, our faith depends upon hearing. Our faith will wither away and die if the word stops going into our ears and into our hearts. I talk to people who have uh, become cold in the faith or have missed church for quite some time, and I tell them to come back to church. And all too often, they'll say something like this. They'll say, "Ah, yeah, pastor, I'm fine, though. I, I know the gospel. I already know what you're going to say. I already know what what the church season is about. I already know what the Sunday is about. I already know what being a Christian is about. I'm just going through some hard times. But uh, the the truth is the great mistake here is that you think it's enough for you to and for your heart, for your soul, for your eternal life to simply know the gospel. As if it's some sort of historical fact as if it's some sort of trivia or information, as if once you've learned it, then you can just pack up and go home. Then what's the point of church? You already know what the punchline is. You already know that Christ forgives your sins. So now that you know this, why do you keep coming back? And the reason is because faith comes by hearing and faith remains by hearing. That is present tense, ongoing. Yes, you know the gospel, but no matter how well you know it, There will never come a day in this life when you don't need to hear it. Our sinful hearts cannot afford to go without hearing from Jesus. You you may be the master uh, and, and the doctor of a thousand arts and graduate from a thousand schools. But not this. Never the word of God. Never the church, never the Bible, never the gospel. Even the most brilliant men in this world can and always must remain students, beginners, in fact, children at the feet of Jesus when he speaks. And this is why stress for you so much to hear God's word. What Jesus says is far superior than what the millions of books and philosophers can tell you. And that is because the entire world in all of its wisdom and its strength and power knows nothing and can never figure out the great mercy of God. 
the loving kindness of our God, that he sent his only begotten son to redeem you from this poor and miserable veil of tears, that he purchased and won you from sin, death, and the devil, not with silver or with gold, with his holy and precious blood, so that you would be his. So no matter what you are feeling right now, whether uh, it's good or bad, what you're going through, what you're suffering, what you think you need to hear, what you need most is what Jesus says today. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. In other words, yes, John, yes, dear Christian, yes, saints of Zion. Jesus is the one. He is the one we have been waiting for, the one the prophets foretold. He is the Christ, the son of the living God who has come to save us from this veil of tears. By his death on the cross, he came to forgive our sins and to release us from every prison. It will happen. Just wait. Be patient. Endure all of these things with joy. Rejoice in your sufferings because they will end, but your joy will not. You don't have to look for or expect another. Just wait for him. Don't close your ears to God's word no matter what. Don't turn away from Christ. Go to him. Go to where he is and listen to him. And soon, very, very soon, he will bring you to where he is. Very soon, he will release you from all of your cares in this life, all of the sadness and sorrow. It will not always be dark. The night is almost over. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.